time to buy in. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Now, let's start the hour. Welcome to this week's episode of the Noble Capital Radio Hour, where we explore income strategies for the modern financial landscape. I'm Sean Harris, and to the left of me, He's the wizard of wealth management. He's the referee in the game of retirement, the soldier of fortune, Jess, the mailbox money maestro Hamill. Good morning. You got a new one every week, don't you? I try. (laughs) And to my right, a man with his finger on the pulse of the financial world, the Bob Ross of painting the financial landscape, the people's champion, Jaden Nesteg Newman. Hey, Sean. What's going on, Jess? Same old, same old, man. Welcome to the airwaves, gentlemen. You guys doing all right? Yeah, I'm here. It's good to to be back. Awesome. It is good to be back. For those of you who listen to us on the radio here in Austin, we aired a rebroadcast last week uh, for an episode from March where we answered listener questions. And uh, I always love those because those are timeless. Uh, People you know, typically continue to have the same question. So I thought it would, would hold up well over time. But fortunately, if you can't get enough of Jess and Jaden, the Noble Capital Radio Hour is available wherever you get your podcasts. So you can just go binge every episode you want at your convenience. So if you haven't listened to the show before, or if you need a gentle reminder, we're Noble Capital Wealth Management, a financial... A f- Words are hard. (laughs) Learning to talk. A financial advising and income planning firm focused on helping our clients achieve financial freedom through predictable lifetime income. And I just mentioned we did a rebroadcast of the listener questions episode. And if you actually want to send us your questions for the next listener questions episode, you can email me directly at radio at noblecapital.com. And you might just hear your virtual words on the air, and we'll answer your question. Right on. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing a new listener questions episode, personally. I like those. It's a good way for us to actually connect. Especially seeing where they were coming from all over the world. It was crazy. I had no idea that people were listening to us that far away. It's amazing how available podcasts are. It's like internet, man. Literally everywhere. Yeah. On the moon soon. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I love being on the radio locally, you know, because we're we're local guys. We, you know, we're we're a local business. We operate here in Texas. So, you know, it's, it's good, you know, to have our audience sort of concentrated here on the radio. But it's also nice to be able to reach out and talk to people all over the world. So, who wants to read today's Capital Contemplations? I think that's, <clears throat> I think I said that. That's a quote from me. Is that a quote from you? <laughs> I'll take it. All right. People say that money is not the key to happiness, but I always figured if you have enough money, you can have a key mate. 
That's pretty good, right? That is good. I like that one. That's good. So for two retirement points, which legendary comedic actress said it? Was it Carol Burnett, Joan Rivers, or Lucille Ball? I'll go with Joan Rivers. I'm going to go with Lucille. It was Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers. B. Man. Boom. Got it. You got it. Yeah, I, I actually I, I love that that quote. Um, you know, you can you can have the key to happiness made, and that's kind of what what we're about here. You know, we uh, we don't peddle happiness uh, because that's something you have to find yourself. But if you have the time and the money to pursue it, it might be a little bit easier to find happiness. You think? Yeah. Or if you've got money issues causing you unhappiness and we can take away the unhappiness, then you can find happiness elsewhere. Yeah. You know, and that's a, a really good point because not having enough money can definitely make you unhappy, unhappy. because yeah. it just creates problems. Right. Oh, right. yeah, for sure. It happens either way. But having having too much, having not having enough. That's know, true. A lot of that's in your mind anyway when you start comparing yourself to the Joneses. Yeah. Then you got Buddhism and they're just happy no matter what you got. You know? That's right. <laughs> yeah. They have their own key to happiness, right. I guess. I don't know. Well, fair enough. But uh, two retirement points to you, by Thank the you. way, Jess. I'm racking them up. That was good. That was good. Uh, once you get 100, you can you can redeem them here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. So this week, we're actually talking about something that I guess sometimes requires a key, right? Depending on where you live. Or metaphorically. Eh, or metaphorically. Today's episode is called The Mailbox Money Movement. And we're really, we're all about mailbox money here. Well, maybe not all, but a good, a good part of it. We do like mailbox money. Isn't that right? We do. And, oh. uh, luckily, our demographic understands what that means because nobody else gets anything in the mail that they use anymore. Yeah. It's just auto deposit, direct deposit. The mail, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so what the heck is mailbox money? So I think that the term was coined back when you actually went to the mailbox and got a check and then drove to the bank and deposited it. But mailbox money is something that drops into your mailbox every month. It's something you can on Social Security check or an annuity payment or some other type of regular payment. It's just called mailbox money. Okay. Yeah, and then the the investment world kind of adopted it as meaning, you know, money that's just showing up as residual income showing up every month uh like you know, like a broken slot machine paying out <laughs> um consistently every time. Yeah. Uh, you go out to that mailbox uh, once a month and pick it up. So so yeah, that's that's been a staple, you know, in when you're talking about retirement, you're talking about safety, you're talking about predictability. You want to be able to go out to your mailbox or just look in your inbox or your right. bank my, account my box. app on my phone. Yeah, whatever <laughs> the heck you're looking at. Yeah, you Venmo want, it to me. Same thing. You want to see that money hitting there consistently yeah. and um, in, in a predictable fashion. Yeah. So if we can help generate that for our clients, we're, we're winning big time. Yeah. Predictability really is key, too. Well, I'm not sure it's the key to happiness, but it's definitely the key to you know, a, a stable income plan, you know, whether it's for retirement or, or you're going to be retiring early, you know, uh, you got to have that, that regular income. Um, I, I'm glad you, you clarified that because I thought that my, uh, online custom mailbox company 
was making me mailbox money. Is the money I get from that is not considered yeah. mailbox money? I don't, I don't think so. No? Okay. I think confused. Okay. All right. That's fair. I, I mean, I do make some really nice-looking custom mailboxes. They're all bespoke. You can buy them online at mailboxmoney.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess I guess that doesn't really qualify. No, that was a that was a terrible uh, dad joke. But one thing that I think is important that we want to get across to people here while we're talking about mailbox money is the distinction between mailbox money and spending down your savings. And that's something that we talk about all the time. All the time right? I mean, we drill it in, right? Kind of the theme of the reason we have a practice here almost. Exactly. It, it you know, that's a big part of our practice is we don't want to see people just, you know, save up money and then spend down their savings and and hope it outlasts them. Right. That, that's the complete opposite of what we're about. That's not predictability. That's not confidence, lifestyle and fulfillment. Not even close. Yeah. I mean, to typically implied with mailbox money is the concept that mailbox money is going to be ongoing and permanent too so mm. you know it's not like like spending down your savings account you just ask your your bank to send you a check every month until all of a sudden you're yeah. there's no more left you're not so that's not mailbox money month. either no <laughs> that wouldn't that's not the kind of mailbox money we're talking about we're talking about the kind of mailbox money that's going to show up and be there on a, on a predictable schedule sure. for the rest of your life yeah and you know how much it's going to be every month and Etc. Etc. Yeah. Or at least typically. typically, typically it's a repeating amount. But I mean, it could be a minimum and then some extra. But yeah, but you get the point. Yeah, okay. something you can count on. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier, obviously, mailbox money. That's kind of an antiquated idea because we don't typically receive money in the mailbox anymore. But uh, it does regularly uh, drop into your your bank account automatically and and that sort of thing. Um, so I want to dig in a little bit more when we come back from the break. But if you folks listening out there want to learn a little bit more about mailbox money. Or a lot of bit more. A lot of bit more about mailbox money. I have this bad habit of saying a little, say bit. a little bit. I know. It's like, and I also say so. I need, we need to bring back the word jar, the um jar. There you go. In any case, go to noblecapitalradio.com and you can RSVP for one of our dinner and discussion events where we talk about mailbox money. And we, we talk about how to build an income plan and we talk about how to achieve financial freedom, which is the key to lifestyle confidence and fulfillment. So after the break, we'll dig into this topic and talk a little bit more about some of the investments that can provide you with mailbox money. But again, go to noblecapitalradio.com to RSVP for dinner and discussion with us. We'll be back in just a second. Talk 1370. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Welcome back to the show. Where this week we're talking about the mailbox money movement. And the mailbox money movement, we're talking about predictable or guaranteed or lifetime income that you can count on every month or every quarter or once a year. I, how often does mailbox money typically pay out, guys? I, I, I really it's, have no clue. I mean, it typically refers to monthly for the most part. Okay. 
come and fill in some gaps in your monthly budget. Yeah, or carry in your monthly budget. I mean, there's some yeah. stuff that comes quarterly, but I mean, most people most people's bills are due on a monthly basis, so yeah. most payment structures are set up on a monthly basis for the most part. Yeah. Okay. Well, we introduced the concept a little bit in the last segment, and obviously, it's something that is it's pretty crucial to to an income plan. I think, and and you know, we can we can talk about how you know how you build that out, but just can you give us some examples first of all of what mailbox money is and maybe talk about how it works or or some of the details yeah for sure you man. tell so, me I man mean, the the original mailbox money was pensions okay um something that's you know basically in the old days was an annuity now they try to achieve it sometimes without sticking to the real deal but sure something that you know you knew how much it was going to be and it was in your mailbox the same time every month you took it Mix it in with whatever else you had. You went to the bank, deposited it, and paid your bills. Okay. Um, the pensions have been going away for the most part. Um, it's not that nobody has them, but you know, not nearly as many people have them. So annuities are kind of the way to create your own pension. So annuities work the same way. Hmm. Um, I don't think very many people are going to the mailbox for the annuities anymore. So you yeah. get on your phone, uh, go to the Wells Fargo app, and make sure that on the third of the month, you know, boom, or whichever day you got it, this drops hmm. in. But that's something that's going to hit every month for the rest of your life, hmm. um, in most circumstances, unless you set it up on something different. Um, life insurance is kind of that almost fits the 100% of the definition, but really only fits 98% of it, only because it's not necessarily for the rest of your life, but it's also something that drops in every month. Um, so with life insurance, dude, are, can you get some that are, are lifelong uh, payments, or how does, how does that work? That would be a unique structure. It's, I guess okay. it would be possible, but uh, without really getting down into the weeds on how... Or how, dying early. On, yeah, dying early. Yeah, <laughs> Die early, and then you know. So you yeah. know, if, 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 you, if you set up a life insurance policy so that at, at some point in time you plan to draw out a certain amount of money for a certain period of time, you might set that up so it'll last through the age of 95. So okay. if you live any kind of a normal, reasonable life expectancy, yes, it would be lifetime. Okay. And by the time you get to be 95, you're probably not doing as much stuff as you're doing when you're 85, so maybe you can live on a little bit less. But yeah. we still consider that mailbox money. You know, rent would be mailbox money in a good situation. you got you know several rental properties um, that are either paid off or, I guess, even with a mortgage, but you've, you've got that rent coming in every month. But it's something that you'd count on on a monthly basis that's not really tied to you going out and punching a clock or turning in a timesheet. Okay, okay. Uh, is is there anything else? Anything else that could qualify as, as mailbox money? Um, I guess lottery winnings. If you took it over time, that'd just be another another annuity. Yeah, or yeah, kind of a pension yeah, or an annuity. The, yeah. the mobsters might have some way, you know, in their extortion to set that up where they're getting something regular. Oh, I should, I should look into for. that. Yeah, you know, one <laughs> of the things we love here, as as our many of our listeners know, certainly our clients is real estate in general. And there's ways to generate some nice mailbox money in the real estate uh, investment world. You know, one of the obvious ones that comes to mind is being a landlord, you know, yeah. getting your rent check every month. Sure, you might have a, a month or two when you have a vacancy and you got to rent it out. But sure. But that's a great way to generate, you know, quote, mailbox money. Um, we we have a little twist on on that we're 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 not offering uh, opportunities for our clients to become landlords but we offer our private lending program that we become very well known for to our clients and that's a fund that you can invest into that actually lends money is a mortgage lender and lends money on short-term residential investment projects and during those those loans it generates a monthly income that that then generates that mailbox money that we send to 
to our clients. So there's, I would say there's ways to generate, you know, other forms of mailbox money outside of just these contractual, these are the safest ones that you're, you're talking about, sure. You know, sure. with with life insurance and annuities and pensions and, and things like that. Social security is mailbox money. Mm-hmm. You know, that comes in every month. Yeah, but but you oh, can do that point. yourself too. I, you can generate mailbox money with with good good investing, and um, that's what the name of the game is in retirement. We're talking about generating, you know, the replacement for your paychecks. So send it to my mailbox. That'd, that'd be perfect. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think when people think real estate investment, they typically think renting, right? Like being a landlord or or maybe flipping a house or, or yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and just yeah, count, counting on the, the price to go up. But that's maybe not the, the smartest or best or easiest way to, to invest in real estate. So it's it's there's plenty of ways to do it and we've got some ways that we think make the most sense for at least our clients yeah and yeah so it, you take the all the benefits of a short-term scenario and put it into what can be a long-term scenario for you if you choose yeah and, and you know part of the key there is that it's passive yes right absolutely and and flipping a house that's not passive <laughs> not even close and being a landlord's not passive either unless you know maybe you're just paying somebody to do all the repairs. But even in that case, you have to find renters, you have to, you know, follow up with if they're late on their rent. And and so any way you slice it, it's it's not passive at all. Fix fix and flip would not be passive, but it's a great way to uh, generate income. um, If you're willing to still want to be working and working for yourself. It's a a way to take a small amount of money and use a lot of our money to make yourself a bunch of money. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Flipping a house seems more like a hobby to me than, you know. Well, just we, a, got, we have lots of clients that they uh, make a very successful career out of that, leveraging, yeah. leveraging our money to make themselves money. Yeah, so actually, I, going into that, you know, Jaden was talking about, you know, our clients can invest money into one of our funds, and then we go out and we invest that into real estate. How do we do that? I'm going to let Jaden hit that one, so that was his, uh, his uh, brainchild 15 yeah. years ago. <laughs> I mean, I understand it, but he's proud of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, who who do we lend it out to, and how do we make money off of it through our private lending program? Well, so we're we're a lot like these. Uh, the type of people we lend to are a lot like these HGTV shows on you know flipping houses. Our our borrowers are the folks that are out there, you know, flipping houses. It could be just one house they're flipping every year, every six months. Um, kind of a smaller operator, mm-hmm. all the way up to, to to guys that are or gals that are doing new brand new construction, what we call trees to keys, okay. uh, buying lots and building homes, uh, and then even the more sophisticated developer that might be buying you know ten lots or or several acres in a nice infill location, close to a, a city center or close to a university, and they want to build up to fifty condos or townhouses. So we. We really hit that whole spectrum, but the key is it's it's residential investment real estate, where the folks are coming to us looking for a loan for their project, and they're going to gotcha. take that money, they're going to they're going to buy the project, build the project, and then sell the project for mm-hmm. either a profit, or in some cases they'll they'll keep it and turn it into rental or income property. So that that's who we lend to, and we only do first liens, very low loan to value. Uh, it's an asset-based approach where we always secure ourselves with the property itself. Right. So at a low basis. At a low basis. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very conservative way to invest in real estate. And right now we're able to get our investors in the 
seven percent return range set plus or minus seven percent which is that's pretty good it's a great return when you're yeah. talking about our, our clients um you know they don't do a cartwheel over seven percent but when you look at what the banks are paying oh well you know 7%. in contrast to the banks it's it's pretty good it's a great return <laughs> but to, yeah. to expand on that a little bit because i've had clients that come in and will just they're bewildered they're they know what we're paying and they know we've got to be loaning it out for more than that obviously we're making money and they're just like why would anybody pay in the double digits um, when you can go to the bank and get it for three or four percent, and they just they don't grasp the difference between an interim loan and a mortgage loan, mm-hmm. but it's all about leverage. So I mean, just a quick easy example. Let's say I've got I have fifty thousand dollars, period, but I want to buy a house for four fifty, fix it up, and sell it for seven. Well, I can come borrow four fifty from us, and for forty thousand dollars worth of interest, make myself two hundred grand in nine months. So yeah. when you look at it from that perspective, it's a it's a fantastic deal. So that's important because they may be paying higher interest than you would think of a normal mortgage, but they're only paying it for a very short period yeah, of time. It's just about leverage. So, it's yeah, all leverage. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pay $45,000 for the privilege of using your 500 to make myself 200 in less than a year. Yeah. That's not a bad deal. That's pretty good. Well, those, those are all good examples of mailbox money, and uh, that's part of what we do here. If you want to learn a lot more about that, you can go to noblecapitalradio.com and you can RSVP right on our website for a dinner event where we talk about retirement. We'll buy you a steak and you can educate yourself. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back. And if you're just joining us, we've been discussing the mailbox money movement. In the last segment, you guys were talking about some annuities, pensions, some other forms of uh, mailbox money. And of course, we talked about our private lending program where we lend to real estate investors. Let me ask you guys, something just occurred to me. Do the people that we lend money to also build mailboxes? I'm sure it's one of the last things that goes into the project, but yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Well, there you go. There's, there's your mailbox money. Right, full circle. That's right. Um, you know, the, the other thing I didn't really get to touch on, but Jaden had mentioned it, was Social Security. Would you classify that actually as mailbox money? Absolutely. Okay, okay. Well, I guess it's, it's something you, you've paid into, and it's... Uh, you know, if you... It, nothing's guaranteed, right? Sure. Um, or actually, lots of things are, but it all depends on who's doing it. But if you if you use the fundamental basis for the purpose of the discussion that once you start Social Security, it will last until you die, then absolutely it, it fits every def- definition of mailbox money. Okay. Yeah, ultimately, you know, ju- it's interesting when you talk to entrepreneurs or you know folks that are really taking an interest in in their finances and becoming financially independent um, mm-hmm. it doesn't always have to be an entrepreneur it could be you know someone that that has several different interests including employment shameful sure. employment but the the name of the game in retirement is just like building financial independence and that's having an other your money generating income or essentially generating mailbox money for yourself mm-hmm. and generating things, including a pension, social security, things that you've built up or earned over time. Right. Uh, that eventually will replace your income 
and give you the option if you wanted to to not have to go to work and get a paycheck anymore because now you've got mailbox coming in mailbox money coming in to cover all of your bills and yeah. sustain you and you know when you start putting two and two together and realize that life is short you know and you you only get one shot at this this isn't a dance rehearsal of a dress rehearsal right yeah <laughs> or a dance or rehearsal, a dance rehearsal. <laughs> so it's time to you know at some point start making that decision to replace that that income and and move get yourself in a in a position where you can you you can become independent whether that's retirement or just financial independence you could call it the same thing yeah i mean yeah. a lot of what we do is not necessarily for well i guess by definition, it would be retirement, but not your typical, okay, I've worked for however long, I'm 65 now, I'm officially retiring. Um, a lot of people at 50 or 55 decide they don't want to get up and go to work every day. Um, they might dabble in something here or there, but they create an income stream that's you know basically mimics retirement. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. The difference is they've got to typically forego 15 or 20 years worth of income while at the same time living during that same time period on the on the money they've saved up. So it's quite a challenge for us to put that together, but that's those are the fun ones. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look high level at basically what we do, we're basically replicating at a higher level what two generations ago had. You retire, you've got Social Security and a pension, almost always. Some savings. Back then, most people were smart. They paid their house off. So when they retired, they had these two income streams coming in between Social Security and pension, and that's what they lived on and lived within those means. Um, the wealthier people, of course, did investments and stuff like that since very few pensions are out nowadays and people are living larger than just Social Security. We're taking what you have and creating pensions so that we have yeah. the same scenario as before, but on a larger scale and, and doing it ourselves. Yeah. You know, when I when I first looked at the show notes here and I saw that word, I didn't know how to pronounce it, but it's pensions. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, clearly that's, that's uh, something that you have to almost create for yourself nowadays or, or you know? and, and, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate i will have a pension right um, from my days at new york life it's okay. not going to be you know humongous but it's it'll be as much as my social security yeah so that's, yeah that, absolutely that's nice to have. yeah and so I'm, I'm i'm glad you guys kind of brought up some of those other things like social security because when i think of mailbox money i typically think of income from dividends right uh but that's maybe a misconception on my part yeah, I mean, they're not guaranteed. Yeah. Um, and in some some stock scenarios, I would call it close enough, but it's mm. typically not the amount that you would have to get in dividends to be a substantial portion of your income means yeah. you had a substantial chunk of stock out there to begin with. Okay, yeah. And <laughs> we say it all the time, we don't want a substantial portion of our money all in the market, right? It's good to have some here, have some there, but that's not you know, really where we, we want to count on our nest egg coming right. from. Or more accurately, the older we get, we don't want to have a substantial portion of our income based on the performance of the market. Okay. Yeah. That, that was actually more eloquent. <laughs> you, uh, you paint a beautiful picture there, Jess. I'm going to go back to work when I don't want to. I'd rather go back to work angry at 65 than at 80. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So let me ask you about risk. So mailbox money, you know, where is it on the risk spectrum typically? And I know it varies. It's got to vary. So but Typically, when we use the term mailbox money, once again, assuming that a guarantee is only as good as the, the entity that backed it, um, it's usually guaranteed, okay. uh, which would mean it would be no risk or very, very low risk. And I'll use an example of Social Security. Social Security, by definition, should be no risk. There's yeah. always the risk the government's going to screw it up. Um, but contractually, it's no risk. Annuity payments are no risk. It's about the only thing that 
FINRA and the SEC and Security Board and all the other regulatory agencies actually say you can present that as no risk because it is not any risk. Yeah, okay. One of the things I, I really appreciate about the way we do, we practice, uh, Jess will sit down with you and actually lay out when he looks at your income plan, your, your mailbox money plan with you, he'll, he'll lay out specifically the level of risk you're taking for each check that you're getting in that mailbox every month. So each line item on your income plan will will have an associated risk uh, that, that you're taking to get to achieve that income. So instead of just looking at the whole portfolio and looking at how much risk you're, you have overall, um, we're actually breaking down how much risk you're taking um, from an income standpoint, which is really, that that's, that's a nugget if you think yeah, about that. That's that definitely the, sounds like something Jess would do too. That's pretty granular. Well, that's, it's, that's it's how far we get down. That's exactly. critical. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you can sleep a lot better at night knowing the, the level of risk you're taking to achieve that, that money. So really, instead of talking mailbox money, how risky is it? I mean, it really is your income plan, right? Perfect. That, that yeah. we're talking about. And some clients will tell Jess straight up, I'm willing to take more risk uh, to achieve income because right. I'm, I'm comfortable with only X percentage of my income being guaranteed, predictable, long-term, lifetime. Right. And we run into that for various reasons. So first of all, always remember the word risk does not necessarily mean risky. So right. this is the low risk office. So there's very few things I'm going to ever put you in that are higher risk. If that's where you are, you're probably better suited with a different advisor that, that operates in that world. Or maybe they are better suited with you so you can kind of fix their yeah, risk profile. Yeah, But there's, exactly. there's two reasons why people are willing to be risky on their income. One is because they've got so much, so many resources that they can afford to take some risk and they're living large. And some are because they don't have the resources and they're willing to take the risk to try to achieve what they're trying to do, knowing full well that if it goes bad, they're they're not just screwed, they're totally screwed. Yeah. And that's not a situation you want to be in. Yeah. So that's actually perfect. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, as part of an income plan, we use these different different income streams mm -hmm. uh, to do a lot of things. And one of them is, in a lot of ways, to manage risk. And I think... Obviously, something like an annuity, you know, we life insurance, that sort of thing we said was already lower risk. Right. Um, is there any mailbox money that's high risk? I, I wouldn't call it mailbox money if it was high risk. Okay. Yeah, just, Good. To, just to not confuse. I mean, yeah. you, you could still call it that. It's up to you, yeah. you if, know, if, not, not to it, split hairs. If it but comes, our it's coming in the mailbox, so yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> But yeah, sure. High high risk mailbox money is you know going. You, you could buy a dividend paying stock and right or um, invest in somebody's idea um, on the on the agreement that if it hits and works and he makes money, then it's coming back to you. That would be come back to you in the mailbox, but also could not come back at all. Mm. Yeah, venture capital. But, yeah, but we would never. <laughs> we, that, that just doesn't fit. When yeah. we talk about mailbox money, we're implying something very specific, and that it is is either guaranteed or very predictable recurring and you can count on it that's that's the safety factor that goes there yeah the perfect best, when we talk about higher risk investing um i the ideal uh way to set up the plan is is to not be dependent on those higher risk investments for to, income for income right. just use your play money for that well, if you want to if you want to play or to pass it down but accumulation we, money yeah. we call it coma uh, you know excuse coma me test. coma yeah coma test money where yep. you you know that money you're willing just to forget about mm-hmm I mean, it's just foolish to get yourself in a position where where you're actually counting on something where there's a lot of volatility, and, and that's yeah. Yeah. that's when we get some of those panicked you know phone calls 
So um, I, I look at the risk from three standpoints. One, what is the risk? If I put $100,000 somewhere and I'm supposed to get 10, 110 back, right? What's the risk I'm not going to get that 10? Second, what's the risk I'm not going to get my 100 back in the first place? Right. Um, but when we talk about income, I don't want my income to be at risk. I want my income as safe as possible. So while I take sure. your whole portfolio, we carve out enough to strategically using several asset classes so we have all kinds of different levels of risk and some consume the asset, but they're guaranteed. Some don't quite consume it, but they've got a better return. And when we get the entire income plan laid out, adjusted for inflation till the day you die, whatever's left over, that if it disappeared tomorrow, it would not impact your lifestyle one bit. Now we have a completely different risk tolerance because mm-hmm. we can afford to ride out a, a, a low part. We can lose some money. We can go crazy on returns, but no mm-hmm. matter what, it's not impacting our lifestyle. So if we do something extraordinary, Maybe we go get a new Corvette or go on this dream vacation. But if something goes bad, we're still rocking right along with everything we had planned. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's money you don't have to count on, and, and right. with that, yeah. Or you can uh, ride out you can ride out a slump. Um, y- yeah. Because the only yeah, thing that makes absolutely. the portfolio go down faster than it losing money in the market is you spending it while it's losing money because there's less to build back on. Mm-hmm. So if you don't need it, who cares if you got a downturn? Just ride it out. It'll come back eventually if you're not spending it. Yeah, and and if you have income streams set up that are comprised of mailbox money. Worst case scenario, you do go into a coma and your mailbox will just fill up (laughs) with money. I can think of worse. Right? Sure. That's kind of, that's kind of the, the thought there. Yeah. I mean, well, or it'll be there for your spouse, right? Exactly. I mean, that's the first thing we, we want to make sure we're good. We're taking care of both spouses. And then do we want to do something for the children, the grandchildren, you know, that's important. You know, they're not going to get a pension. Um, No. So their mailbox money is going to be tight. Um, especially from the government. So it's at that point, you know, we, we want to have that conversation and make sure we set up the whole family. When was the yeah. last time you actually wrote a check and put an envelope, put a stamp on it, put it in the mail? <laughs> That's a great question, actually. Um, man. The 90s? It's been a minute. At least. It's been a hard, it's been a minute. I haven't for even sure. had I was, a I've been sitting here while you were talking about trying to think about that. And I do have a checkbook, um, but I sent my mom. Okay, Grandpa. Sent my mom a check. <laughs> Um, some money that we had we'd gone on a trip and done something and she paid for something I didn't whatever I would have like a couple hundred bucks right so I wrote a check and she's like next time you can just you know deposit into Chase online I'm like geez yeah. my 70 year old mom's telling me how to do it right yeah yeah I mean the the only time I ever see a check is if one of my parents sends money to the kids during Christmas or something like that I like I said I don't even I haven't even had a checkbook since the 90s since you know, debit cards came out. I've got, I got a whole bunch of them in the safe. They don't get used very often. Yeah. So re- real quick, uh, you can use mailbox money as part of your legacy. Um, is, is there in s- some cases, you can yes. Pass it on. Yeah. Uh, no. What? How would that work? Well, so your social security. Assuming that your legacy is downstream, not lateral. So we're not talking mm-hmm. about a spouse, we're talking about kids or grandkids. Right. Right. Um, social security is not going to go that way. Very few annuities will go that way unless they're period certain and they're structured that way. Um, most life insurance policies at death are going to pay out a lump sum, although you can structure it so that it pays out over time, and that would be mm-hmm. mailbox money. Um, inherited and IRAs. If you have an inherited, if you have an IRA that is put into something like the private lending, um, so that it's generating mailbox money, you can inherit it and then inherit that scenario right there. So I would say Got probably it. the thing that fits that definition the most would be what we do right here. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the private lending for, for real sure. estate, where they actually do sometimes build mailboxes. Right. Perfect. Perfect. All right, well, we have to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to play everybody's favorite game, Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is. But I would be remiss if I did not mention that you can go to noblecapitalradio.com and you can RSVP for our upcoming, basically, retirement discussion dinner event that we hold a couple times a month, noblecapitalradio.com. 
We'll be right back. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Once again, this is the Noble Capital Radio Hour. And you guessed it, we are back. And if you tuned in, words again. And if you just... Use your words, Sean. <laughs> learning to talk. And if you just tuned in, we've been talking about one of our favorite subjects and one of our favorite types of income, mailbox money. And man, this has been a great conversation. I, you know, I've had a lot of fun in this episode. And I think part of it is just because I missed you guys last week. <laughs> we, we had a week off. I didn't get to come hang out with you and, and you know, do our, our spiel on the radio here. And man, it feels great to be back. Well, you were actually up here Sunday, just not with us, right? Well, I mean, I never stopped working. Right, yeah. but for the for the move, the Dallas stuff. Uh, yes, yes, I was. Thank you for uh, saving me on that, by the way. Hey, yeah, you, you, you still owe me some some cash for that one, buddy. <laughs> no, but but seriously, uh, this this is a topic that is near and dear to our hearts: the mailbox money movement. So, again, if you just tuned in, let's just do a quick recap for the folks out there that that may have missed it. We'll kind of we'll kind of just sum it up for them because we don't want them to miss out on the little nuggets of wisdom that we've been dropping here, right? So, mailbox money is what? Think of social security or annuity payments as mailbox money. Something yeah. that shows up in your bank account or your mailbox every month no matter what. Can it show up via PayPal or it, Venmo? It can. Yeah. It can. Awesome. You can arrange that. Those huh? would be less common in the types of things we do. They use the EFTs to your checking account, but gotcha. yes, you could you could create a situation to cause that to occur. Okay. Hey, that that's awesome. It's good know, to... I know a lot of like employees these days, and we're talking McDonald's employees, but they don't have checking accounts, man. They have a freaking uh, like a, not even a debit card, just one of those uh, prepaid Visa type things, and oh, they yeah, just get yeah. their they get their paycheck on there. Huh. And they just hit the ATM machine till it goes to zero, and then they wait till the next payday. It's it's crazy. Everything's electronic. Huh? Um, maybe that's why. Uh, the, like I said, I haven't had a checkbook since the the nineties <laughs> because that plastic is so convenient. Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna write you a check for your birthday, man. $10. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll t I do know how to cash it. So um, you'll just take a picture of it and do right. it into your account yeah. that way. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. Uh, I will. I'm gonna turn it digital. Um. But, you know, again, we're talking about mailbox money, and, and I can't stress it enough. There's a distinction between receiving retirement income and just spending your retirement savings. And, and really, that's a big reason why we're talking about this and why we talk about it so much, right? Because a lot of people accumulate their savings in a retirement count, account, and then when they retire, they do what? Spend it. They, they just spend it down. Hope and, they run out first. Yeah. And and. What's the the what's the flaw with that logic? It's two sided, so you don't know how much to spend. So you, if you're smart, you go conservative. Yeah. So you likely are going to die with a whole lot of fun you didn't get to have because you didn't spend it all. Yeah. Or you do it the really bad way. You say, well, I'll, I'll live to be eighty, so I'll divide that by this much, and all of a sudden, eighty rolls around, you're broken, and you're still healthy and alive. Yeah. All of those things are true, <laughs> and that that's a terrible way, and and that is actually the way not to plan for your retirement. That is a lack of planning. Right. But basically. you know, when you go through the layers, the really what we what we do here 
has very little to do with that overall. The high level is I'm selling or providing comfort because yeah. I don't care how smart or conservative you are or stupid spending your money unwisely. You know, if you're spending too much, you know, and in the back of your mind, every time you, you go on vacation or buy the new car or whatever, you're like, man, what if I run out? Mm, it, yep. There's always that uncertainty there. So you don't get to enjoy spending money in retirement. Yeah. When you walk out of this office, you know exactly what you can do, how much you can afford to do, what's going to happen in the end. And when you spend money, it's with 100% confidence. And if yeah. there's anything I'm here to provide, it's that. And confidence, it's lifestyle, and fulfillment. That's right. And Je- Jess has the ability to sort of turn it up. If you want to spend, turn that lifestyle up, um, even for a phase, that's what oh, I'm we so all impressed time. about. It's like, hey, yeah. for the next seven years, Jess, I just juice me. Yeah. I want to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, go, I'll go over people's budget and I'll say, man, you, you don't have very much in there for vacations. Well, we've always lived frugally. I'm like, that's why you have the money to now enjoy it. So yeah. I'm going to add 15,000 a year. Every now vacation you're in the safety for zone the next 10 years, you know, because we have it all down on paper and yeah. we know what that looks like. Exactly. And yeah. uh, people are surprised. Most advisors are not advising their clients to spend money because they want them to keep it there so they can, you know, charge their fee on it. And I'm sitting there telling people, spend some money, have some fun. You know? Yeah. Send me a postcard. I'll show you how this can work just fine. Yeah. That's so cool. People yeah. love it. Yeah, totally. So, you know, that that's the the predictability which provides the lifestyle confidence and fulfillment. And that's what everybody looks for during retirement, right? You you don't want to Most people. You don't want to not spend money, but you also don't want to worry about spending money. So, it's a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. I mean, it kind of It's the worrying that matters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so mailbox money introduces a level of predictability and possibly diversification into your portfolio, sure. right? Right. So, uh, you know, it's a, a good way to maybe manage risk, I'm going to say. Yeah. And diversity know, is uh, not all about risk. Um, I mean, well, sure. it's, you're spreading the risk across several asset classes, but each asset class provides a different way of, of doing something for you. Yeah, absolutely. So you get diversity in that as well. I couldn't have said it better myself, but now I want you guys to say something because it's time to put your money where your mouth is. And this is where each week my esteemed co-hosts have to come up with a phrase related to this week's episode, and I get to amuse myself by telling them how they have to deliver it. So every episode, I seal the guidelines for the game in the Sean envelope, and I open it on air so they never know what to expect. And if I stump them this week, they each have to purchase a custom artisan mailbox from my online business, Mailboxes made for money.com. You guys ready for this? I was born ready. Bring it, Sean. Let's let her rip. Okay. So I want you to sum up today's show in any number of words, but just like the phrase mailbox money movement, it has to be an alliteration. That's alliteration. With alliteration, an a. not that's, alliteration. That's right. Okay. Right on. Any number of words, but it has to be in the form of an alliteration. I'll take the challenge. Here we go. While the guys are racking their brains trying to put this one together, I just want to remind you that you can learn more about us at noblecapital.com. Check us out on Facebook at Noble Capital, on Instagram at Noble Capital Radio, and you can download every episode of the Noble Capital Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, guys, that's your time. 
What do you got for me this week? We got about a minute left. I'll let Jaden go first because mine's pretty awesome. I think. Uh, awesome. Yeah, you, he might win this one. Uh, we'll this see. one doesn't only describe us on this show uh, wrap up, but it's really just describes us in general, guys. So you ready for this? Let's do it. Real retirement rock stars. Damn. Nice. You got me. Yeah. That is That's good. Better than mine. That's really good. Well, I will be the judge of that. Well, I Jess, think mine so. more accurately <laughs> describes today's show, but that's more way more badass. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll have to weigh it on rockstar man. I'll have to weigh it on its merit. So, what do you got, well, Jess? Today we talked about mailbox money, yes. which is basically pensions and social security and things like that. So today we created the portrayal of predictable pension. Oh, boom! Dang, that's, that was good. The, yeah, they, and it couldn't be more accurate either. It's very articulate. A, yeah, a lisp. You would have had a hard time saying that. <laughs> right. The portrayal of predictable. P- <laughs> yeah. Peter Piper she picked a pred- predictable pension. Yeah. Well, guys, I've had so much fun back again this week with you. But unfortunately, that fun has come to an end because that's it for the Noble Capital Radio Hour for this week. I'm Jaden. I'm Jess. And I'm Sean. And remember... Life is short. Plan to enjoy it. We'll see you back here next week. All opinions and information expressed by the speakers on this show are solely the opinions of those speakers and not those of Noble Capital or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. All opinions are based on information the speakers consider reliable. Opinions and information are provided as is for educational purposes only, cannot be guaranteed or warranted, may change without notice, and may not be corrected or updated. Opinions and information should not be construed as an inducement to invest and offer to buy or sell securities, nor as legal tax or investment advice, nor do they take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and are therefore not necessarily intended as recommendations suitable for you. You must make an independent decision regarding investments and strategies mentioned on this program. Neither the speakers, Noble Capital, or their affiliates guarantee any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all investments involve inherent risk of total loss. Strategies and investments fluctuate in price and value, and investors may get back less than they invested. You should seek advice from independent financial, investment, and legal counsel before making any financial or investment decisions. Transmission of information through this program is not intended and does not create an advisor-client relationship between you and Noble Capital. Information provided on this program may reference other service providers, including websites operated and maintained by third parties. The provision of such information does not imply responsibility for or an endorsement of any third-party information, opinion, recommendation, or investment product. Reproduction, distribution, republication, and or retransmission of any portion of this program is prohibited without the prior written consent of Noble Capital. Ooh, that's too long.